Good afternoon. Welcome to the Channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast from the Buffalo Bill Farm and Ranch Expo in North Platte. We're going to take a look at a market. We had two reports thrown at us today. We had the CONAB that came out earlier in the day. Then we had WASDI that came out at 11 o'clock. And how did the markets fully react to all this information? Then we're just going to flip to the other side. The fact that this cattle market down one, up one day, down yesterday drastically, back up again today. And the packers out there saying they need more hogs. So a lot of things that we need to look at today is Mike Zuzalo joins us. Mike is with Global Commodity Analytics. So, Mike, let's start out talking about the CONAB report because that came out earlier in the day. What was your takeaway to those numbers? Well, I have to say, Susan, you know, like probably every other commodity analyst and researcher out there right now, we're just so laser focused on the Argentine, Paraguayan, and Brazilian weather because it has not gotten to a point that the market, I think, is satisfied that we've erased drought potential and therefore production losses. And I think CONAB's numbers today support that and give that idea as still very prescient and very important and in very much real time in terms of what is the actual production down there. And when you really break it down, and I did this since our midday conversation, but when you really break it down, South American soy production, USDA has it at 216 million tons this year versus 197 last year. So let's say CONAB's right. They're 6 million tons plus less than USDA's production, that takes 6 million tons off of 216. You're still running at about a 210 production number for all three countries. Corn, it's a much different situation. And the corn production number for all of South America, which we don't really get much out of Paraguay, is at about 179 tons. That compares to 172 last year. So if we took the 10 million plus less production from CONAB that USDA didn't pick up on today, that takes the South American corn production below last year's levels. And so I think it's time for the trade to really start to scrutinize these supply demand numbers a lot more. And, and I go all the way back to January when we saw those production numbers for China and corn raised almost, um, that was almost the complete increase in the world corn ending stocks was the production increase in China. And you got to wonder, A, what does that really matter in the supply-demand fundamentals? And B, those were exactly what China's uh, official agency put out. So why is USDA using China's official agency but not Brazil's official agency? And, and I just like to connect the dots like that from a statistical standpoint. Yeah, why don't, you know, I've, I just find it interesting that there's that differentiation in that report like that and not using uh, those numbers coming out of South America. And there's a couple things riding on it right now. I mean, obviously, we are in and heading towards the middle part of February. We're halfway through the base price for the new crop, corn and bean crop insurance price being factored. And we all know from math and statistics that as you get down the road in averaging, it's harder and harder to move the average price as you get later in the time series and unless you have big major moves. So that's point number one is time is really important to stay uh, very um, up to date and accurate. And, and I would not have a problem with USDA lowering their numbers like CONAB did. And then if CONAB would come in next month and say, look, Argentina got a lot more rain than we thought they would get. We're going to raise production. And then USDA follows suit. 
that to me would make a lot more sense. Point number two, very briefly, is we're one week away from the Agricultural Outlook Forum starting, and we're going to get a whole nother group of numbers um, in the middle of the time period when producers are trying to get some marketing done for old crop corn. That was the biggest question I had today was, I got to get some cash flow corn needs fulfilled here so I can meet bills that are coming up in March, what's my best option here? What's my best opportunity here? And I think today's report didn't really give us what we needed, um, especially when it comes to the wheat continuing to lose and, and leave the corn lower. Well, then let's just throw in a whole nother layer. And this was talked about by uh, folks stopping by our booth here at the farm show today. You know, the U.S. District Court in Arizona, of all places, Arizona, put that into a dicamba. I mean, we're going into a growing season and a product that's definitely used. And so one gentleman said to me, well, Susan, do you think there's going to be a switch up taking away from bean acres because they can't use um, a vital chemical? So I thought it was kind of an interesting perspective. And then throwing in all the numbers, other numbers that were thrown at us today. Yes, I agree. And I think one of the things that maybe you and I have talked about already, I still feel even more this way, Susan, as we get into the middle of February is I think this base price, this new crop corn and bean price at the end of February could swing acres maybe as much uh, as we've seen in a decade or more. I think that's what we're really looking at because producers are feeling the impact of having unsold 23 bushels and watching the 24 profitability. And I got to say, after today's numbers, we're still at a nine-year low in world's stocks-to-use ratios for the wheat. So. Wheat going down, I think, is directly related to the currencies in China and the macro fundamentals. Yes, Russia's part of that because of the currency situation, but I think the, the wheat going down and leading the market lower with the tightest world stocks-to-use ratios of all three of the major grains, I think that really says something. All right. What are you going to be, uh, before we get ready to head to break, what's the key that you're going to want to keep an eye out for these grains come overnight? Well, the big thing for me in the short term is I'm, I like the fact that the soy rejected the lower levels for a second time this week on today's close, but I'm really dubious and nervous about the beans being the leader to the upside. We can get some support from bean oil and the crude oil markets, but we really need the grains, and I think today's report reinforced that. All right, we'll stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half here of the channel, Final Bell. We'll take some final thoughts of what Mike is seeing from a grain perspective as we move over to a very interesting cattle and hog trade as well. More is coming up from North Platte and the Buffalo Bill Farm and Ranch Expo as you're listening to today's episode of the channel, Final Bell, right here on the Rural Radio Network. A best of both worlds product portfolio is one of the aspects to look forward to from the new channel brand in 2025. Here's Matt McGuire, new channel dealer from Wisner, Nebraska. With bringing in Fontenelle and Channel together, I think that our portfolios will also be second to none, especially on the corn side. It'll fill holes for both companies that customers may have seen there before, and I think it's just going to uh, make us really rock solid on the corn side. For more, contact your local Channel Seed Pro in Nebraska, Kansas, and Colorado. KRVN. Welcome back to the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as our conversation continues with Mike Zuzlo. Mike is with Global Commodity Analytics. And as we continue to look at the, the happenings of the grain, and I know before we know it, it's going to be spring planting here to the south and slowly creeping its way north. But what are you, other factors are you hearing in this market that we really need to keep an eye on as we head into tonight's trade and then into a full trade tomorrow? I'm hearing, Susan, is, is coming from the um, 
the bigger newswire sites that are tapping into the overall financial markets and the risk markets, which include the commodities. And it goes back to this ongoing saga of China exporting deflation into the markets led by the agriculture. And I think that's really the story for 2024 in terms of whether 2024 can put a demand low in these markets or whether we're going to be into a situation like 2015 through 2019 when China let us lower back during that time period. It was in 2015 that China's currency uh, figures, they had lost a trillion dollars in their foreign exchange markets and their currency markets in terms of value. And that really led to the deflationary period of those four years. And I think that's very much what the market is tuned into. I see at least a story a day from a variety of news sources in the world right now about that one thing. And the agriculture is right in the heart of that, in my opinion. All right, we got to switch gears. Speaking of uh, the craziness of a trade, let's look at this cattle market. We were good numbers on Monday. We saw a crazy drop. Then we saw numbers come back up on a Thursday. So a couple up days, a down day. What's your takeaway, the big push that we're seeing in this market? Yeah, my takeaway is, is that we have the funds underneath us right now without the all of the cash market underneath us. And so the funds are mostly driving this trade currently, in my opinion, especially given the fact that we have seen that box beef give way. I'm watching that 80% ground beef price right now. It has skyrocketed. Um, just right before the end of the year in mid-December, we hit a low in ground beef at about 237 a pound. It's now over 305 a pound. Um, we're also seeing the packer margins based upon some of the private estimates still underwater by $80, $100 a head. And so I think we're really in a situation in the cattle market where we need to feed the bull because if we're, if I'm right about the funds driving this, it, 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 for this time period, it's really about the momentum and the sentiment indicators that the funds tend to use. We did get some good news today from USDA. They took the production number um, up in beef for 2024 by 75 million pounds. That's not good news, but what they did do is they raised the prices for 2024. They bumped up the second quarter price by $3 to 180. So looking at April fat cattle right now, trading right there at that 186 level, you've got about a $6 premium in April fats with the gap at 190. So I am quite frankly in the red zone to get some hedges in place. The, the other thing that I liked about today's crop report and, and meat report from WASD was that pork production went down 90 million pounds and the export figure for the, uh, for the pork went up about 210 million pounds for 2024. That was very healthy. Now, we talked about 2014, 2015 in the past, and I've always talked about the beef imports going up and the exports going down here in the United States, and USD has stayed in that mindset. They increased beef imports by almost 9.5% today versus last month. So we've got some warning flags out there on the cash side. What about these hogs? I know packers are saying that they're needing them, so we're going to play with some cash numbers. Yes, I think we are. I think we're going to see some cash strength redevelop here, and it makes sense. We're getting into that Easter seasonal, not too distant future, as we get through Lent, and so we'll start to see that shift. We do still need to keep a very close eye on the pork side of the equation in China. Um, they just released consumer price data 
um, inflation data. And, and while the pork prices have stabilized, their food price inflation has hit a new, what I show is almost an all-time low at this point. And uh, that deflationary mindset is very much intact by some of their latest statistics. And pork's right in the forefront of that. So cattle in 2024, I think, really need the hogs and they need the equities markets to keep this thing going. And what about, as we get ready to wrap up, consumer confidence? How is that going to weigh in to what we see in this movement? I was talking to a professional in St. Louis today that is uh, part of a hiring group, and and I've talked to several people um, in the last couple of weeks, and it seems to me that we are slowing down economically, and this consumer, these consumer numbers are surprising to me at this point because I'm not so sure we're not going into more of a hard landing economically, Susan, and that's going to really impact us on the consumption side of the equation, especially with higher beef and pork prices if we keep these numbers elevated. All right, real quick, how's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Globalcomresearch.com, and it's Globalcom with two M's, research.com. Sign up for a free trial, and we'll send you our information. All right, that is today's channel. Final bell, as always, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And the channel final bell on the Rural Radio Network.